0: This may be one of the strangest Palm Sunday messages you've ever heard, (laughs) but we're going to follow the Lord the best we can. We're going to be in the book of James in chapter 4. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 10 today. I don't know if um, any other pastors would have this feeling, but I remember when I was a younger person. I felt like a preacher should be angry, because the preachers I was around around that were really good preachers, they were just, they'd tell you everything was wrong with you, and as I've gotten older, I'm kind of like, I don't think that's necessarily the whole tone of the whole scriptures, but what we're going to find today, and I hope you don't find an angry preacher here, but you're going to find in James a very angry writer of truth, and he's angry against sin. So the message today, I hope that you will hear it clearly, not from me, but from the Lord, is to challenge us as we encounter sin in our lives and the lives of our uh, church. And the title of the message today is Overcoming the Curse. Overcoming the Curse. So let's look together. I'm going to start in James chapter 4, verse 1 through 3. And this is King James as we usually start with that this morning and look how james writes to the church there he starts in verse 1 and he says from whence come wars and fightings among you come they not hence even of your lust that war in your members you lust and you have not you kill and you desire to have and you cannot obtain you fight and you war yet you have not because you ask not you ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust And I'm not going to read it in the tone right there that I think James was bringing it but you let the Lord speak that to your heart in my devotions this Friday uh, I was reminded about this truth I've been in Deuteronomy this is from Deuteronomy chapter 11 And there, Moses tells the people when they cross over into the promised land that there's going to be one mountain that they need to proclaim the blessings of the Lord. I like that, right? A reminder of God's goodness and God's kindness and what he's going to do. But there's another mountain, Mount Ebal, and what are they going to do there? They're going to proclaim the curses. Proclaim the curses. that just doesn't sound fun does it (laughs) what and the truth of the word of God is that we need to be reminded of the benevolence and the kindness and the grace of God but we also need to be reminded of the holiness and the justice and the wrath of God and to be honest with you we probably don't see the wrath of God any clearer than we see it in holy week For God pours out his wrath on his only begotten son. and So today, as we're gathered here, I'm here to proclaim to you both blessings and curses. And we're going to see some of the strength of the curses here in the book of James. Briefly, let's look in Deuteronomy 11 again, just so you can see it's not my words. Moses says, see, I'm setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing if you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I am giving you today, the curse if you disobey the commands of the Lord your God and turn away, turn from the way that I command you today by following other gods which you have not known. When the Lord your God has brought you into the land you are entering to possess, you are to proclaim on Mount Gerizim the blessings and on Mount Ebal the curses. So today we look at a little bit of the harsher side in the book of James. Did you ever know when you were younger that your kids were up to something, probably a lot of somethings, but you didn't know where to begin, so you gave them a command like, you straighten up, right? Some of you parents have really great insight and instinct, maybe some not as much, but you still know something's just not right. And that's really, to me, as we look through this passage today, we're going to cover a lot of different areas in your life. And I don't know where your weakness is or your failing, but the Lord does. And again, you listen to the Lord today as he deals with our uh, sin issues. Again, so many things. Please let the Lord speak this morning. The first thing we want to look at is the effects of the sin problem. Look again in verse 1, this time NIV. James writes and he says, What? causes fights and quarrels among you. Don't they come from your desire that you battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight, and you do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So James here begins to speak to the people of the congregation, the people of the church, and he was saying the effects of sin were miserable on those people. Now in chapter 3, what did we just talk about a couple weeks ago? What was going on that was a problem? James said, be careful of your what? Your tongue, right? That little uh, fire (laughs) that can set the whole forest ablaze, right? It is full of deadly poison, the little a bit that can turn the horse, the little rudder that turns the whole ship. So evidently, in the church that James was challenging, there were some issues with the tongue. And I don't think it was, like a lot of times maybe we did when I was a child, it may not have been so much about your use of four-letter words as it was about the way you were slandering or attacking or gossiping about the other believers in your fellowship. Lord, help us that we would control our tongue. And you can see that there is definitely some issues going on in the church that James writes to. Again, I want to challenge you on this. This is what always breaks my heart. But James, who is he writing to? Is he writing to the world or the church? He's writing to the church. He's talking to the people in the church that there's a problem in the body, in the fellowship of the church. And so he starts off and he says, where do these wars or these fights and these quarrels come from? And we try our best to avoid fights and quarrels uh, in our assembly and in our congregation. But what is at the heart of fights and quarrels? Getting your way. Have you ever not got your way? Have you ever seen a little child in a grocery store not get their way? and try to get their way? And again, these things are handled differently by different parents, right? Some parents choose the ignore method and the rest of us are like, oh, come on, do something, right? Some parents do the appease method, right? If I don't get this, I'm going to hold my breath till I pass out. Oh, Be quiet, I'll give it to you, I'll give it to you. And then what do some parents do? You probably don't hear from their kids very much. Brother Scott is exactly right because they discipline the issue and the child loons, learns pretty quickly, pretty, pretty fast that they're not in charge and they don't get to have everything they want. Now, does that affect us as adults? Hmm? Hey, this is my church. And when I come here, we better have some this kind of singing. Fill in the blank, whatever kind you like. Right? We better have a sign that looks like this. And the service time better be like this. Or like this, if you're the preacher. Right? Control issues. This morning in Brother Todd's lesson, we saw this idea and it's going to hit us later. What we have to do to fight that is we have to surrender control to God. But this is part of the issue. And same things in our own spiritual life. It's a control issue. He goes on and again the words he used are probably not literal about the specific event, but they're hitting at was probably a matter of the heart. He says, You kill and you covet. Why is there problems among you? Because of the hatred you have in your heart. Well, I didn't get my way. Well, I'm gonna show them, right? Because other people have it better than you, right? Coveting. Well, I can't believe the Lord is so kind to them. Why do they get blessed so much? Why do people like them so much? Why don't they like me better? Again, so many good things in our lesson this morning about peer pressure and that desire to find approval from others. And James hits it right on the money. When you covet, you desire someone else's fame or their power their riches their relationships, you name it. The problem here is that these people were angry because they weren't getting what their hearts desire. And when you read the King James, you may be thinking lust as more of an immoral way, but really it's that desire that I want to have what I want. And here's what I think the problem is. These people, and us people, if you're willing to accept that this morning, they could have so many pleasures in God's goodness if they would only ask with the right motives. Again, C.S. Lewis basically says, we eat mud pies when we could go be at the beach. And that's what's going on here. You guys, there are so many wonderful, beautiful things to have if we would ask of the Lord with the right ways. But instead, how do we ask? Huh, I can't believe, you. why is God so good to Todd? <laughs> he seems to get all the gifts. He, has, he can fix anything. Why didn't I get that? so we begin to ask to have things just so we can feel better about ourselves rather than for the hallowing of god's name amen here's the challenge this morning again when you ask you need to ask with the right motives now here's what i want you to think about just briefly with me today a couple things what do you want what do you want in life what do you want even this week what are you desiring what's on your want list You wanting a good meal today? That's what your main thing is thinking about? Are you wanting your kids to be closer to Christ? Is that what you're thinking about? Are you wanting a promotion at work? Are you wanting a a better income? What do you want? Second thing, hear me out. This is tricky. What do you think God wants you to want? What does God want you to desire? And then the question is, are they the same thing? James says, your problem is you ask. Well, most of the time you don't even ask. But when you finally do get around to asking, you ask amiss so that you can consume it upon yourself. What does God want you to want? And if you can get that in line, then the question is, are you asking? There's so much for us, if we'll ask. Today, again, we had that good discussion, and I really appreciate it. Sunday school. It was so good this morning. And we need to prepare people for persecution, most definitely. We need to have people that they understand what can come their way. But also, we need to have an offensive mindset that if we will ask the Lord, he is about doing great things. And we need to trust in that. All right, James, first thing is, again, Asking so you can consume it upon yourself. My challenge is to you is to desire the things you know God would have you desire and then ask for them. The second thing this morning is enmity with God. We don't use that word very much. Enmity. Look down if you would in verse 4. Again, the words he uses are so uh, full of, of power and so full. They're so strongly worded. I, I don't think I can carry the idea as it should be this morning. You adulterous people don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred or enmity toward God anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God or do you think the scripture says without reason that the spirit he calls to live in us envies intensely what does James call the people how does he name their sin there you adulterers! You adulteresses! What are you talk about, James, right? This ain't right. You don't, don't shouldn't called me that. What was the adultery? Was it that they were cheating on their spouses? No. What were they doing? They were cheating on the Lord with the world. You guys, you know the story of Hosea, right? Hosea marries a prostitute. That is a very strange thing to think about, isn't it, right? Knowing what's going to happen. But the whole point of Hosea is so that God could speak to his people that their hearts were full of adultery. Are you, you again, bear with the phrases this morning, are you cheating on God? Hmm? Hmm? Now, again, I've come, Paul and I have come from the land of idols, right? And that isn't necessarily our problem today, is most of you don't have an idol in your house or in your car or in your hotel. But many of us have things where we use those things instead of spending what we need to spend with the Lord, we choose that. And again, hear me out today. Please hear me out. I'm an audience member just like you are today. The Lord is saying, stop cheating on me with the world. You're an adulterer and you're an adulteress. I don't think you're getting it yet. How would your spouse feel if you cheated on them with another person? What would be in your heart if your spouse cheated on you with another person? person it would be immense heartbreak right it would be anger and frustration it would be uh, vengeance maybe right all of these feelings and that is what an adulterer and an adulteress does it destroys a marriage doesn't it right and here is this picture where James is telling the church you are the adulterer. You are the adulteress. You are breaking the heart of God because you choose the world instead of choosing Him. Wake up! Straighten up! That's His tone. That's what He's trying to share. And I think we miss it. We kind of gloss over it. And today, if you'll let it again, not from me yelling or screaming at you, but if you'll let the Lord speak and say, am I cheating on God by choosing the world. Again, anyone who is a friend with the world has hatred or has enmity with God. And again, we know from what Jesus said, you can't have it both ways. You can't love God and the world. And yet that's what we try to do, isn't it? We want the mammon, we want the money, but we want heaven. And some of us have been raised that way, haven't we, right? Well, you said your sinners prayer you got dunked under the water and you go to church once in a while so your ticket out of hell is punched and you don't have to worry about that place so now your next goal is to have it as easy and as good as you can while you're here that is kinda what's implied in the way that some of us live isn't it right and again hear the words of the Lord here today you can't have a love for the world and a love for God This is a little bit funny, but I love his truth. It's an African proverb, and it says, The man who tries to walk two roads will split his pants. And some of us are doing that. We're trying to walk two roads. Yes, the Lord has been good to me, and I want to praise him, but really what I want to do is I want to feed my flesh. And you fill in the blank what that is, right? James takes sin seriously. Again, these are strong charges, charges of adultery, charges of enmity or hatred towards the Lord. When you choose the world over God, you are, in effect, cheating on your relationship with God. When you choose the world over God, you are at enmity or you are an enemy of God. Yet, I love what James says here, God has placed within us, if we are believers, His spirit that desires intensely for us to be right with God. The Lord hasn't given up on you. As a matter of fact, he will discipline you, and he is calling you out, and that's what James is doing. Back to our child in the grocery store. James is the one taking the child out to the woodshed, and that's what he's doing here to the people of the church. He's calling them these terms. He's saying them so loudly and strongly because they need to be disciplined. And I also have you see this just briefly. If you look in this passage, look at the sources of temptation. The first one, they were praying that they may consume it upon their lust, their flesh. And now we see that they're cheating on God by loving the world. So you've got the flesh and the world. And then guess who's next? The devil himself. The world, the flesh, and the devil. It's amazing how those things all are right there very clearly. All right, Those are the source of temptation. So let's look briefly at the solution to the sin problem that James is pointing out among the church there. Look down if you in verse 6. But he gives us more grace. Amen? Probably just stop right there. <laughs> that is why the scripture says God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Praise the Lord. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve and mourn and wail and change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and what will happen? He will lift you. God doesn't leave us in our sin, you adulterer, you adulteress, you lover of the world, you hater of God. God doesn't leave us in that condition. He gives us grace, and that's what we're celebrating this week. God sending his own son to die on our behalf that we can have power over sin and hope and a future. That is grace. The first challenge he gives us is that we would submit. The last thing a proud person wants to do or a person with a desire and a control issue is willing to do is to submit, but it's the first thing a person should do to be right with God. (laughs) Well, they didn't do it the way I wanted. They didn't show up when I thought they should show up. They didn't help me out when I needed help. They let me down. I'm going to set this up so I don't have any disappointment. I'm going to take control. And what does the scripture speak to us? Submit yourself to God. Let him take care of it. What Paul, you told me yesterday we were talking about basketball. That one coach said you train him and then you trust him. Right? Isn't that interesting here what we need to do with one another, right? I'm going to love you. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to help you grow in the Lord but then I'm gonna have to trust the Lord with the situation instead of trying to take control of the situation. Hear me out today, I don't know, I just feel the Lord is really speaking clear about that issue even in my own life. Let go of the control and to do that you have to submit. What's the next thing? Resist the devil. And this is where I think the Lord was speaking through Greg this morning in Sunday school a little bit about this idea of taking a stand, right? Everybody around you is starting to think about kind of crumbling just a little bit, kind of cutting off corners just a little bit. Well, you know, we just want to be kind. We just want to get along. And what we need to do is hold to the truth but in love. Amen? And that is what it is to resist the devil. The three Hebrew boys, what the devil want them to do? Bow down. What does the world want you to do today? The world wants you to bow down. And what does God want you to do? Stand up and praise him. Amen? That's what it is to resist the devil. Can you take on the devil? Can you beat the devil? No way. He'll slaughter you. But can you take on the devil with the Lord as your backup? (laughs) I don't have to fight this fight because the Lord will do the fighting if I will allow him to do it my duty is to be obedient when the Lord says stand up I will stand up resist the devil that may look like a lot of different things in your life but where the Lord is speaking to your heart this morning resist him. take a stand against that sin that temptation in your life and then my one of my favorite lines this whole passage is come near to God God says come here the world thinks that God says get away the world thinks that God says, I'm going to make your life miserable. The world says, God's going to tear you apart. But what does God say? He says, come here. Come near to me. What happened in the story of the prodigal son? What's the father doing? He's looking. And when he sees his son, what does he do? He runs to him. Come near to me. And what's the Lord say? He says, I will come near to you. Oh, that's good. <laughs> you come to me. I'll come to you, I won't abandon you, I won't disregard you, I won't put you in the corner, you come to me and I will come to you, come near to me. Again, it's adulterers, it's adulteresses, it's people who have hatred towards God because they're loved for the world, but if they'll repent of their sins, the Lord says, come here and I'll come near. Oh man, are you coming near the Lord or are you kind of keeping him at a distance? my college buddies we would go sing and this was his thing whenever we would finish a song he would do this when the people might say amen or start clapping a little bit he'd do this like no 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 keep it coming keep it coming right some of us do that kind of to the lord a little bit we're double-minded in that aren't we right lord yeah come come a little closer lord that sounds good but don't come too close (laughs) Because if you come too close, you might start changing my behavior. You might start changing my thinking. You might start changing my friendships. You might start changing the plan I had for my life if you get too close. Let me tell you, you get near to the Lord, he's going to change you. Amen? That's the point. Hear the Lord today. I don't know how you're coming to the Lord, but you need to come near. And he wants you to come. Come near to him. He will come near to you. And then hear the words of James, this clear picture of repentance. Wash your hands, you sinners. You guys, we need to call it like it is. Right? So many of the time, well, it was a mistake. Yeah, well, I shouldn't have probably done it quite that way. What is it? It is sin. It is sin. The whole world is scared to death of us calling things sin. And I think part of that is we need to make sure that we're calling the things in our own life sin. We may want to call homosexuality or abortion sin. But how about just lust and arrogance and greed and pride and the desire for control? Are those sins? Yeah. You need to call it all out clearly, don't we? right? Wash your hands, you sinners. And then he says, purify your hearts so you're double-minded. Remember the guy splitting his pants, right? (laughs) Going two ways. Purify your hearts. One purpose, one desire, one longing. Strive for a single focus to love God above all else with your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength. And then look at these next phrases. This is tough. Grieve and mourn and wail. When's the last time you wept over your sin? Hmm? Again, back to, I hate to overuse this analogy, but back to the idea of adultery. If your spouse cheated on you, it's probably going to break your heart to the point of crying, isn't it, right? When's the last time you wept over your sin when you failed the Lord? guys, we just laugh at sin today. Everywhere, right? In all of our shows and all of our media and all of our social media and all of our things we watch, we just think sin is funny. And the Lord says through James, when you encounter sin, it's time to grieve and to mourn and to wail. We don't think of it that way. And again, I'm going to try to get out of the way today and let the Lord speak to your heart, but you need to figure out what that looks like in your life. Lord, where I have desire that is not your desire, let me grieve and mourn and wail that desire. Are you taking seriously this truth of sin? And then ultimately, where does it finish off at? And this is such a perfect picture. It's all throughout the whole scriptures, not just here in James. He says, humble yourself. Will you submit your life to him again today? Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and what will he do? He will lift you up, amen? All right, now here's where I want you to wrap up a little bit today. I'm gonna go back through these things here in just a second, but what I wanted to get to was where we started was the blessings and the curses, right? One mountain for blessing, one mountain for cursing. Well, in Galatians chapter three, if you've got your Bible, so go ahead and turn over there if you would. chapter 3 and if you would look down at verse 10 the scripture says all who rely on observing the law are under a what a curse for it is written cursed is everyone who does not uh, continue to do everything written in the book of the law Clearly, no one is justified before God by the law because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, the man who does these things will live by them. Now look in verse 12 there. Excuse me, verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Yes, read the blessings, yes, read the curses, but here's the incredible thing. <laughs> the Lord took the curse. He became the curse so that you could be free. This week, we're going to celebrate. And I hope that even in your devotions and in your conversations this week, you'll be thinking of Passion Week, right? We're going to try to help you with that a little bit, even on Wednesday as we think about Passover. On Friday, as we think about the cross, and we think about all that Jesus went through. And then on Sunday, we're going to think about the resurrection. All these are this reminder that that curse is not on us because Jesus took so as we move forward, here's what i want to go back through again today. And I want to challenge you as you look through each of these areas, as you deal with sin, how are you doing? The first one is that idea of submission. Have you surrendered and given your heart to God today? And I want to challenge you, this, this case here, it's something that happens on a daily basis, right? You have to give your heart to the Lord every day. And again, if, if you're finding some area in your life you won't give up control, ask the Lord to help you with that. Where do you need to resist? Where do you need to be taking your stand? Maybe it's at your workplace. Maybe it's in your own family. Maybe it's in your neighborhood. For some of you, it may be more of a civic and a political type of thing. And for some of us, it may be as a church as a whole, but where are we resisting where we should be? And then I want to challenge you this morning, maybe more than anything, to come near What's in the way? What's in the way? Maybe you're angry at some church hurts in your past, and you're like, because of those church hurts, I can only get this close to God. Maybe you've got some relationship issues that need to be resolved with some brothers and sisters, and that's what's getting in the way. Maybe it's just a bunch of distractions. It could be Netflix, YouTube, Prime, Hulu, TikTok, all of that stuff is really getting in the way of your time With God. What is getting in the way? And I'm challenging this morning. Come near, come near. What's the promise again? He will come near to us. Amen? Today, repentance. When you're thinking of temptation, wash your hands, purify your hearts, put a single focus on. And then today, again, what are you not taking seriously with the Lord? Grieve, mourn, and wail. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. And the scripture says, he will lift you up. He will lift you up. Let's stand this morning. I'm ask Ida if she would to come and Brother Ray. And again, and I'm glad the Lord doesn't do this. I don't know all of your sins, and I don't want to know all of your sins. But I do want you to hear the Lord speaking today to you about your sins. All right? For some of you, you are cheating on the Lord with the world. And the Lord's calling you out on that today, and you need to honor that, and you need to submit to that. Some of you, it may be control issues. I've got to have control. I've got to have it my way. And God is telling you today, I need you to give that up. Some of you, you are only spending the minimal, least amount of time you can with the Lord. And maybe it's even just here on Sundays, and God is saying, come near to me. And you need to make a commitment today to come near So this morning, we're going to sing, and if you'd like to sing that, it's fine, but I really want to challenge you and encourage you today, if the Lord is speaking, grab the hand of a friend or a brother or a sister and come to the altar and do business with the Lord. And where you need to repent, where you need to resist, where you need to stand, where you need to submit, where you need to humble yourself, that you would do that, again, knowing that the Lord has taken the curse for us.